Hello and welcome to Mixnerd News. This is where you come to listen to breaking news when it comes to the nerd world. That means we have breaking video game news, movie news, and TV news. If you want to hear about the latest games, the latest movies, and everything else, stick around. Because here's your host Nick from a tiny studio in San Diego. isn't my listeners walking in to the show. Um, that came off as aggressive. I didn't mean for that to be aggressive. How you guys doing? It's uh, it's August 16th. And what I'm going to call the hottest day of the year so far because I've it's been hot as balls today in general. And uh, yeah, it's been not fun. <laughs> um... No, how are you guys doing? You guys doing good? You having a good day? It's, uh, yeah. Did you also know that it's National Tell-A-Joke Day? So I have a joke for you. Why do they call it Ovaltine? The jar is round. The mug is round. Why don't they call it Roundtine? Now, some of you will get that joke. Some of you will not. And some of you will know where it's from as well. Anywho, today's episode 275. Can you believe that? 275 weeks I've been coming into your ears talking loud about nonsense happening all over the place and uh, you've been listening patiently I get was that is that even the right anyway before <laughs> um, I don't know I don't even I don't even have like top stories today I mean, I guess there's there's some a traditional TV viewership has fallen below 50% for the first time. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And, you know, the Barbie movie killing it still. But you know, gaming-wise, I don't have a lot of big Oh, oh. We finally found out who the Embracer Group's 2 billion dollar partner was that pulled out at the last minute. So we're going to talk about that. And then you know we've been we've been going over my favorite movies of the past, and we did the fifties, the sixties, the seventies. Well, it's finally time for the eighties, and because there's so many movies I've seen from the eighties, like pushing a hundred, uh, over a hundred movies that I've seen from 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 the eighties, uh, I'm gonna break it down by by genre, right? So comedy, action, sci-fi, animated, teen movies, horror family sci-fi like there's i already said sci-fi drama you know there's so many uh so what i'm gonna do is 
I'm going to start with comedy, and by far the biggest number of 80 movies I've seen. We're going to go over my top 10 favorite 80s comedy movies. Probably one of the hardest lists I've ever had to make um, in terms of top 10. So we'll get to that at the end of the show, though, so stick around for that. Uh, before we head into the news, though, as always, check out nixnerdnews.com where you guys can listen to the show right in the browser. Or, if you prefer, you can take us on the go. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Odyssey, on Amazon Music, on iHeartRadio. Like, literally everywhere you can hear me talk to you in my sweet, sultry voice. Right? <laughs> uh, also, don't forget to check us out on social media. Uh, Nick's Nerd News. We're on Instagram, Twitter. We're on Threads. Uh, we're on... Uh, not technically on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. Follow me for podcast updates there. That's the Nick DeFalco. So you guys can follow me in both places. And, uh, of course, I, th- I think we have a Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Threads. I think I said them all. That's really, that's really the main place to be. But uh, other than that, that's just some general housekeeping. So why don't we get right into the news, shall we? All right, so let's uh, let's get into that video game news, shall we? So. Some good stuff to talk about. Not a whole lot. It's kind of an off week for video games. I mean, Gamescom, I think, is next week. So we'll have a lot bigger news then, of course. Uh, but some of this is entertainment-related, really, actually. Not not entirely just purely video games. But uh, how do you guys feel about uh, the Uncharted movie? Did you like it? Was it okay? I didn't completely care for it. Uh, it was just okay to me. I mean, it was a fun adventure movie, but it wasn't wasn't something to write home about. Uh, well, no surprise here. The producers want to make a second film. Obviously, they set that up in the first one. Obviously, there, there's a wealth of, of things to pull from in terms of the games. I, I just, I didn't like Tom Holland as Nathan Drake. I, I just, I don't know, man. It, there was some fun stuff, but it just, it did not feel like a good Uncharted movie. I felt like they could have done better. But, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe they will do better in the second one. Uh, sticking with that, did did any of y'all watch uh, Twisted Metal on Peacock? Uh, I binged it over the weekend. I didn't hate it. Uh, I groaned within the first five minutes, though, because it got super meta, which it didn't really need to be meta. And it was. But by the end of the series, it, it was it was fun. It sets up the story. It turns out Peacock has uh, been the most, quote-unquote, most binged comedy premiere on the streaming service. Via Deadline, it uh, was one of the biggest watched shows on the platform as well. So the average subscriber watched roughly three episodes in a single sitting. Others opted to binge watch the entire ten-episode season in one viewing. Um, It came off as cheap in some places, but well-produced in others. Um, I, I live in California and I've been to California, you know, 
<laughs> that was really fucking stupid. No, I've been to San Francisco. I've been to parts of other parts of California other than San Diego. You know, I've been to Arizona. I've been to Las Vegas. I've been to the Hoover Dam. They they go to these places in the show, and it it's it's budget on production value really shows because they filmed the show in in Louisiana, and they tried to pass off Louisiana as places in the desert, and that doesn't fucking work. Because you can't be driving through like a swamp saying Las Vegas or the Hoover Dam is 10 miles away. Because I don't know if these people have ever been to Arizona or Nevada or California really and uh, understood that the desert doesn't look like a swamp. Just saying. Just saying. And also, San Francisco, you cannot use New Orleans as a fill-in for San Francisco, it is way too noticeable. It is just way too noticeable. You can't do it. But in all reality, I would welcome a second season because the second season looks like they would get to like the nitty gritty of what the show uh, or what the games are about. Uh, they would kind of bring in that storyline. So if anything, all this success should lead to a renewal uh it hasn't been announced yet but it, if it doesn't get a renewal i will be really shocked because it, it 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 actually deserves one hopefully they'll get a bigger operating budget too and uh film things in california or nevada like they're supposed to be i understand it's more expensive but you can't pass a swamp off as a desert man literally total opposites in terms of of uh <laughs> in terms of of environment but really, I, I hope it I, I hope it does get a second season because I actually like I actually enjoyed it, and all the players are kind of fitting in. They teased Axel and some other big names and Calypso, so it, it's well worth it. Um, do you guys ever play the Metro games? You know, Metro twenty thirty three, Metro Exodus. Well, those are based on a book, if you were not aware, written by a Russian author. He no longer lives in Russia. And has been criticizing the Russian government and the Russian military for the past uh, year or so, for obvious reasons. Well, the Russian government has decided to try him for treason, or I guess you can't shit-talk the Russian military. Makes sense, (laughs) given their climate. But they have sentenced him to eight years in prison. He doesn't live in Russia, though, so... I don't know how they're going to get him to prison. I don't know how they're going to get him uh, back to Russia. But, but yeah, sentenced to eight years in prison. Doesn't even live there anymore. Not sure if you guys have been aware, but uh, Quake 2 got a remaster. And it was released on Game Pass and Xbox and PC out of nowhere this past, uh, the past week and a half. Yes, Quake 2 got a secret remaster and then it shadow released... It shadow dropped onto Game Pass. How about that? I like these shadow drops when they do. Blizzard has announced that Overwatch 2 has finally left early access, prompting many people to be like, what? It was in early access? Yeah, yeah, it was, apparently. And uh, following that, it has become the worst user-reviewed game on Steam. People are not happy about the overall status of of uh, Overwatch 2, and <laughs> thousands of people are playing it, but 
uh, via Steam 250, which tracks the 100 worst Steam games of all time. Overwatch 2 has a score of just .96 based on approval rating of 10% from 92,000 votes. So it's literally at the top of the list, which <laughs> that's pretty, pretty sad. Um, people are pissed about monetization. I guess that's what most of the reviews are. This is per IGN. And I, I just, <laughs> uh, they did go free to play, but it's, it's, woo. I'm not even going to read all of the, um, all of this stuff. I guess people even in China are pissed about it and they need a VPN to play it. So they're not happy at all. Well, you know, Blizzard, figure your shit out, please. Oh, wait, they probably will be once Microsoft takes over. So no word yet on the CMA deal. Speaking of which, um, we have learned that uh, Destiny will have continue to have Commander Zavala in the game. It has been announced by the actor himself that Keith David will be taking on the role of Commander Zavala uh, with the passing of Lance Reddick. So if, I don't think there's anyone more perfect for that role, actually, than than Keith David. I, I think he can he can fill that he first off, he has a deep gravelly voice. I mean we all know and love him as the arbiter in Halo. So I, I think he's a perfect person to take over for for uh, Lance Reddick. And I hope they don't replace they, they they can't replace all the the voiceover work. Like you can't do that, right? Not like they did with with Peter Dinklage and Ghost, the ghost, you know, in the first game and stuff. But I think they'll do the right thing and just have all new stuff with him. Uh, I would have sunset the character and brought in someone new, but this is the next best, best option, and it, and it will work, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Destiny fans are, are all in agreement. Uh, so THQ, uh, THQ Nordic, whatever you want to call the company, Embracer Group, uh, had a digital showcase la this past week showing off new games, and their biggest game announcement was the official announcement of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin game. So this is going to be uh, developed by the, the, the company that made the... Um, why can't I think of their name? The uh, Destroy All Humans remake. And it is going to be a single-player game. And it is going to be based on the comics. A Black Forest game. So that, that's who's making it. Honestly... First off, if you don't know what the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin is, it's a story set in the future of the Ninja Turtles universe, and it, it tells the story of when there's literally just one turtle left, and he's fighting Shredder and the Foot Clan, so it, it, it's going to be a fucking epic story. In like it, and if, if, it should be like God of War, if you ask me, or like that style of game. Or like a, a, a Souls game, it'll be perfect. It will be perfect. Uh, they also announced a new South Park game. This one is South Park Snow Day, a 3D multiplayer game where obviously it's a snow day. Uh, they announced a gothic remake, Titan Quest 2, Last Train Home, Space for Sale, Tempest Rising, Trine 5, Way of the Hunter, looks like a new hunting game, and Recreation. Spelled W-R-E-C K, like a wrecking game. So a lot of cool games announced from them, but the biggest thing, of course, TMNT The Last Ronin. Um 
We also got some news about Modern Warfare 3. It looks like it will be coming to last gen Xbox One and PS4. Uh, it will be the first Modern Warfare game to have a zombies mode, so that means Infinity Ward's not making it. Uh, classic Modern Warfare 2 maps will be remastered as in the original Modern Warfare 2, including the Modern Warfare 2 mini-map. Woohoo! Uh, tomorrow, though, will be a larger reveal, so we'll talk about that next week. Uh, the Pokemon Company has been having quote-unquote conversations in regards to like their, their general output of, of games and the quality of said games. So this is, um, you know, g- given the massive discourse and criticisms that came out of uh, Scarlet and Violet, especially the, the, the raids, right? The terror raids, which are just fucking broken. Um, and the Pokemon Company COO, Takato Utsunomiya, I uh, was being interviewed by comicbook.com at the Pokemon World Championships, said, uh, quote, I think in general, if you look at the past, the path we've taken up until now has been this constant release, always regularly releasing products on a fairly fixed kind of a cadence, you might say. Always having these products able to be introduced and new experiences for our customers, and that's how we've operated until now. I think we're still operating in that way, but now there's more and more conversations as the development environment change, and how we can continue to do this while making sure that we're ensuring really quality products that are also being introduced, unquote. So, look, if they take more time to make better games, I'm fine with that. Uh, but if they're going to keep up this, this release schedule, either bring in more people or open it to more dev teams because it's getting, it's getting bad. Because there's, there's really no real reason that these games should sh- suffer quality-wise and also not feature all the mons when what they're doing with, like, Breath of the Wild. And I get the Switch is limited, right? But realistically, I, I think they need to, like, make sure everything is buttoned up and works perfect before the next game releases. Because, look, I'm, I'm going to buy it <laughs> regardless, right? But if, if, if they're going to continue to pump these games out and continue to have issues or scaling issues or quality issues or it's not going to be clean, like, they're going to lose a lot of fans just over that. They're going to wait. And then it's going to be probably, it could potentially lead to the first commercial failure of a Pokemon game. And and look, somehow the, the fad hasn't died and... I know I'm contributing to that, but for a game series that's pushing 30 and for it to still sell so well, I mean, look, granted, look at Mario, right? I, who am I kidding? <laughs> as long as they keep it well, it will stay selling well. Um, moving on, uh, Ubisoft has announced that Assassin's Creed Mirage will now release a week early on October 5th. I'm sure they're trying to get out of the way of several big games. Um, And uh, going back to THQ here a bit, the Embracer Group, we finally learned the identity of their mystery investor that pulled out at the last minute, a $2 billion investment uh, that, that was lost, like I said, at the last minute. We've now learned that it was 
the Savvy Games Group, which is part of the Saudi-backed government um, investment fund. So, that's wild. The Savvy Games Group. And it, 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 that, Stephen Totillo actually is the one who broke the news, but that, I still can't believe, um, what happened. They've, they've closed several studios, um, and lay off a lot of staff. Um, so far, Crystal Dynamics has yet to take, has yet to been hit with any issues. Granted, they're working with Microsoft on Perfect Dark, uh, and other Tomb Raider projects, but, um... Yeah, they're part of the the Savvy Games Group is part of the Public Investment Fund, which is uh, a Saudi Arabian government investment wealth fund. They own five percent of Nintendo, and uh, they've also invested in Take Two Interactive and EA. So they're they're putting their fingers into everything. But uh, that that whole thing is over on Axios if you guys want to check it out. But wow, it's it's major implications. Xbox has announced a new, I, I guess, what you would call an enforcement system, quote-unquote. It is, it is a strike-based enforcement that could lead to a potential one-year ban if you have enough infractions. Uh, and via new Xbox Wire blog post, uh, CVP of Play Services Dave McCarthy at Xbox uh, said that um, it, it, it all comes down to how what your violation is and how many like points you get, you can watch all this in real time uh, to see it all play out. You can appeal, but depending on how many of these violations you accrue, could lead lean from a several day ban to a one year ban from all social aspects of Xbox Live. Uh, it is their new strike system. But uh, he said, "quote We are constantly improving our safety measures and bringing more systems and tools in place that empower players." to respectively interact with one another because everyone deserves a place to comfortably be themselves online, free from harassment and bullying, unquote, McCarthy said. So we'll, we'll see how this works, how it lasts. Unfortunately, it's going to lead to a lot of shitheads, you know, reporting people for doing nothing because they didn't like it. Um, if We'll see what happens, though. Uh, luckily, you can appeal. Luckily, it will be looked at by a moderator, things like that. So it, it, it has the potential to be really good or has the potential to, to turn into a clusterfuck. So it'll be interesting to see how this happens moving forward. I suspect it will have its biggest impact on Call of Duty players. I don't know so much about other games, but we'll see once that goes into effect. Uh, DC Universe will be hitting modern consoles. I didn't know people still played that game. Uh... DC Universe is a massive online multiplayer RPG. I said that wrong. <laughs> MMORPG. And uh, it's been on the last-gen consoles. It was on PC forever, still is on PC. It will now be heading to both PS5 and Xbox Series X and S. And then uh, our last bit of gaming news is uh, in regards to Epic Games. They have announced that they will be expanding crossplay developer tools that they, they hand out to people uh, for console games. So essentially, it's making it easier for crossplay to be integrated into their games. 
So via Epic Games, it says, quote, The crossplay overlay offers a ubiquitous way to authenticate players, streamline friend management, and provide game invite and joinability functionality that's designed to be compliant with native platform requirements. Crossplay enables bigger games, bigger audiences, and growth for the global games industry. With the added support for the major console platforms, Epic Online Services now enables you to connect more players with a single overlay. Unquote. So... This is essentially for game devs. They can use this to integrate. Look, I will shit on Epic for a lot of things, but I also give them props for a lot of things. Obviously, without them, we wouldn't have the Unreal Engine. Uh, but the fact that this is a new developer tool, which I'm guessing is in the Unreal Engine, will allow devs to make crossplay a lot easier, a lot more functional, and hopefully come to more games. As long as Sony doesn't play more. Huh, what? Sorry, I didn't say anything. So... Let's move on to Hollywood, shall we? Let's see what's going up in Hollywood. That is it for gaming news. Stick right here. We'll be right back. Okay, let's see what's going on in Hollywood, shall we? Hollywood, Hollywood. Um, the Emmys have been delayed till January of next year amid the ongoing actors and writers' strikes. That makes sense, right? They can't actively promote their their current things, and a lot of that stuff might be up for Emmy consideration. Excuse me, Emmy consideration. So it makes sense that the Emmys would be delayed. Those are supposed to be soon. Uh, Mike Flanagan, the man behind the upcoming uh, The Dark Tower anthology series, and uh, Trevor Macy as well from Intrepid Pictures, said that before the strikes began, uh, they were on the Stephen King-focused podcast, The King Cast. <laughs> Makes fun, very much sense. Um, he said, quote, I feel really good about where we are. Oddly, where we are at the moment is completely frozen because of the strike, but we had a wonderful spring, and with it, we're making enormous progress on it. I have every reason to believe that on the other side of the strike, it's going to be priority number one. We have great partners on it that I can't talk about, and we've got some really exciting actors circling on it that I can't talk about. And we have some potentially groundbreaking approaches to filmmaking of it that I just really can't talk about. But what I can say is that my fears... That any momentum we've had developed was going to be obliterated by the strike? Well, I don't really worry about that, unquote. So, Flanagan was, is the director. He directed The Haunting of Hill House and Midnight Mass over at Netflix. So he's working on that. Um, so, he worked on Doctor Sleep and Gerald's Game, other King adaptations. The Dark Tower is one of my favorite book series. Uh, Stephen King's magnum opus, as he he calls it himself, uh, it's it's a mix of adventure and horror and thriller and and western, all in one really, and it it brings a lot of it's like the King verse, for for lack of a better term, uh, brings in a lot of characters and themes from a lot of his books, and uh, it, it it it's honestly a great read. If you've never read it, you should definitely check it out. Don't watch the movie that came out several years back with, even though it stars Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, who were literally perfect for the roles, it, it just, the movie was, 
I don't, I can't even finish it. I can't even finish it because it takes a, a book series that I love and adore and just, it shits on it. It just shits all over it. Just like a big honking pile of, of shit. And it's, it's, it's not good. Just, it's not good at all. Um, yeah, I'm hoping this is a lot better. I mean, having like a horror type director on it, I, I think is the right decision. And the, the, the movie tried to go too much into like heavy action, Marvel-esque, superhero-esque territory and, and tried to do too much with too little. And that, that was the issue. You, you, this has to be seasons worth of TV uh, or um, several movies or TV and movie. Like, it, it has to be all together. It can't just be, you know, a two-hour film. There, there's, these books are dense and there, there's a lot. And it, it, it could rival Game of Thrones if done right, if done properly. So I, I think Mike Flanagan's right. And if they get the right actors, then, then it will be good. Um, I'm holding out hope for that myself. Uh, sad news for for uh, King of the Hill fans uh, in that Johnny Hardwick, who was the voice of Dale Dribble, uh, has passed away. Or Dale Gribble. I don't know why I said Dribble. Uh, Dale Gribble. And uh, there would there is going to be a King of the Hill revival. Uh, and we have learned that he did complete some work for the show uh, before his passing. And... Uh, at least a few episodes. I, I uh, it's unfortunate that that he did pass. He was uh, 64 years old, and uh, while he was able to finish, and he is most definitely a main character on the show. Uh, no word yet, though, on if I, I hope they don't recast him. Uh, if anything, they should uh, give the character a proper send off. I think Mike Judge is smart enough to know to do that. Uh, and I think a lot of people would prefer that they they didn't recast him. Uh, when it comes to things like that, it's it's hard. I do like what the Simpsons did, right? Like the voice actress who played uh, Edna Krabappel when she passed, they sunsetted the character. I, I think that would be the best um, best way to do that, considering the show is going to feature a time jump. So we'll see what happens uh, when that drops sometime in the future. Uh, we've also learned the saga of Wonder Woman 3 continues. Recently, Gal Gadot had been going around the world uh, on different press tours. I don't know what she was doing. Saying that she was getting Wonder Woman 3 made with Peter Safran and James Gunn. And they had talks. And now we're learning that those talks did not happen. And we don't know if Wonder Woman, at least her Wonder Woman, will be part of the DCU. So, it, it, there's so many different sources coming out, and I haven't talked about it because it just seems so strange. But, and f oddly enough, James Gunn is yet to comment, which is weird because he usually will respond and tell people straight up. But, via Variety, reports that uh, they don't have any plans as of yet to develop a new Wonder Woman project. Um, other than like their TV show they announced, Paradise Lost, which is set on Themyscira. So no official word yet has been made. So we'll see what happens. Uh, 
But yeah, Gal, Gal Gadot just running her mouth. She's probably trying to will it into existence. I'm fine with that too. <laughs> but it's just not actual cold hard truth yet. Uh, there's rumors swirling that Sasha Baron Cohen may revive his controversial Ollie G character. Ollie G is one of his other famous characters next to Borat and Bruno. Uh, Ollie G famously had a movie several years back. He's had several TV shows. He's made appearances every now and then over the years. Booyaka! Uh, <laughs> I love the movie Ollie G in the House where he gets elected to be a member of parliament. Uh, <laughs> you should definitely check it out. Uh, he is, like I said, a, a controversial... No, how would a British person say it? They say controversy. Controversial. I don't know. Controversial character. He says things that are not necessarily okay. And <laughs> I would love an Ollie G return. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, it's been announced Bruce Lee will be getting an anime series. And you're, and you're probably wondering, Nick, Bruce Lee is dead. Well, I'd tell you you'd be right. But this is going to be an anime about his life. And if there's any character that deserves a larger-than-life anime adaptation, it's Bruce Lee. Uh, no word yet on, on anything else other than that it's happening. Uh, the Parks and Recreation... Oh, I kind of yelled into the mic there. Sorry for your ears. <laughs> the Parks and Recreation cast uh, joined the picket lines this past weekend and even brought Little Sebastian with him. Yes, the horse, the pony that played Little Sebastian in Parks and Rec... Uh, was on the picket lines with a majority of the cast and the writers as they uh, joined in on the strike uh, for both the WGA and SAG-AFTRA. Barbie has hit $500 million domestically, breaking more and more records as it wins a fourth consecutive weekend box office. Oh yeah, but the movie's not good. Okay, lies. People are watching it and loving it. So... It brought in another $33.7 million uh, this weekend, only a 36% drop from the previous weekend, which is not big at all, and uh, so it's now made over $526 million in North America and $1.18 billion worldwide. So Oppenheimer stayed in second place. Uh, Oppenheimer has made $264 million domestically. $649 million worldwide. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles dropped to third place, and uh, which has brought in $94.7 million worldwide. The Mega 2 still holding on somehow into fourth place, and the Last Voyage of the Demeter in fifth place. The Last Voyage of the Demeter is a new Dracula film that is out, if you were not aware. Uh, but with Barbie crossing the $500 million mark domestically, it becomes one of the highest grossing films for Warner Brothers since The Dark Knight. And uh, for it's, I think, in general. And Greta Gerwig is now the highest grossing female director of all time. Which just makes sense, really. It makes sense. Uh... Speaking of Oppenheimer, David Dostmalkian, who is in DC movies, Marvel movies, DC TV shows, Marvel TV shows, Oppenheimer, and a lot of other things, has expressed his interest in playing a Bond villain. Uh, if you're wondering who this is, he played 
like that I can't remember his name in the first two Ant-Man movies. He's like the Russian guy that's part of Ant-Man's crew. Uh, in the third Ant-Man, he played like that pink blob character. He was different characters in Gotham. He's been on Arrow. He's been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He played Polka Dot Man in the The Suicide Squad movie for James Gunn. So he he's, he's loves superhero movies. He actually does. He, he said he's, he's on record for that too. Uh, but he actually wants to play a Bond villain. And honestly, I, I think it could work. I think he'd be a great Bond villain. He plays like kind of creepy characters very well. And he's actually in The Dark Knight too. I was watching a, a breakdown of that movie. Speaking of DC movies, um, I, I think he would be very, very good in in a Bond movie as a villain. So yes, Bond, Bond producers, Broccoli's, call up David Desmalkian. He would be great. Uh, we got a new trailer for Rick and Morty Season 7. Uh, it's a very Rick-focused um, trailer as we see Rick Prime hunt the other Rick, the evil Rick that killed his wife and daughter. Uh, so no word yet, though, on who ha- has been cast. Apparently the trailer featured new voice work from the new actor. Honestly, it sounds like that guy Sean Kelly from, from TikTok. If you guys aren't aware of who that is, he, he, he gained fame in the last few years on TikTok for sounding almost exactly like Justin Roiland, even so much that Justin Roiland has done TikTok videos with him and like talked about him in like a interview video for like Variety or someone. And I don't know if they hired him though. It sounds like him or just another look sound alike. But it, it, if it was a, the new actor, I couldn't even tell. So hopefully they got someone good. In a major first for television, traditional television viewership has dropped below 50% for the first time in history. Granted, television's only been around for, what, like 70 years at the most? Um maybe a little longer. So via the Hollywood Reporter, Nielsen, the Nielsen company who gets ratings, has uh, revealed that broadcast networks scored just 20% of overall viewership, while cable scored 29.6%, meaning those two together, linear TV only accounted for 49.6% overall of all viewing. Uh, Streaming didn't take it overtake it at all they're at a new all-time high of 38.7 percent which is very high um but video games and physical media have taken up the final 11.6 percent so this is a very interesting very very interesting thing um indeed so if you want to know what the percentage breakdowns for streaming though uh, so YouTube is at the top with 9.2%, Netflix at 8.5%, Hulu at 3.6%, Prime Video at 3.4%, Disney Plus at 2%, followed by Max, Tubi, Peacock, Roku, Paramount Plus, and Pluto TV. Ooh, I think it might be time for Paramount Plus to go away and that stuff maybe folded in to another one. Ooh, God, if they're that low on the streaming totem pole. But yes, for the first time ever, um, wow, this is crazy because in June 2021, traditional TV viewership was at 63.6%. So 
So in just two years, it lost 14%. Uh, wow, that's, that's nuts. Granted, everything's gotten more expensive. So yeah, this is a major milestone. For the first time ever, it has dropped below 50%. Um, let me see. Blue Beetle comes out this week. Uh, Marvel announced Sashir Zamata, who we might know from Saturday Night Live, uh, will be joining Agatha Covenant Chaos. Uh, Toxic Avengers getting a reboot. Tron Ares is making the news right now. Uh, the new Tron film has been delayed indefinitely amid the ongoing strikes. The director is urging for a, a end to the strikes as they've had to lay off most of their crew. As the movie goes on indefinite hold, they were supposed to start production uh, this month, this week. So it's uh, interesting for sure to see if that, that movie's been in development hell for quite a while. Hopefully it comes out one day. I'm not the biggest fan of Jared Leto leading the film. But uh, as long as it keeps the spirit of, of the first two, then, then we should be okay. Tron is one of my favorite movie series. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we've learned, speaking of the strikes, that uh, the Writers Guild of America and the AMPTP, AM, the American Movie Producers, tech, I don't what, that thing, <laughs> um, has they've they've gone back to the the Amer Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. There we go. That's what it is. They've they've gone back to the the the, the table, I guess. Uh, that strike has already gone on for more than 100 days, and they weren't budging. But it looks like some studios are starting, starting to be like, all right, we need to talk. Sony, uh, especially, that, that movie studio is already teetering on the edge, if you guys didn't know. But uh, there's been some positive movement, I guess. Via Bloomberg... Uh, the Hollywood studios have brought a new proposal to writers and have offered several concessions on some of their key measures. AI, um, I guess, uh, has, has, they've kind to, uh, they're going to make sure that AI doesn't get brought in, uh, and then make sure that actual humans are credited as writers of screenplays. Um, a new proposal includes that studios will reveal numbers for how much their shows are viewed on streaming services, which is the biggest deal and could cause the curtain to drop, realistically. Hollywood is always... Hollywood financials, Hollywood accounting has always been built on a... Uh, on a, a foundation of sand, if you will. It's, it's not very stable. And it's, it's a lot of fugazi. And I say this all the time. The Hollywood accounting... When it comes to what's a loss, what's not a loss, it's very fugazi, right? And streaming is is a big, huge part of that. They don't really reveal streaming numbers like ever. And I think if they really did, I think the sham would would finally be up. I think investors and a lot of people would realize, hey, maybe the streaming thing is is not as big as we hoped it would be, but... At the same time, we can't just keep putting content and content and content if no one's watching it. Um, but if if they're going to reveal all that, 
looks like an increase of 20% for residuals when a rider's program appears on additional networks. 5% increase in base pay for first year. And uh, more than the 4% they previously offered, but not as high as the, the Riders Guild's goal of 6%. So compromise, right? Um, it looks like they want to fix how many rooms and Riders Rooms work in general. Uh, now via Variety. Um, ooh, Riders would get more, more pull over the size of a Riders Room. That's, that's really good. So this proposal was made on Friday. That's when they went back to the table. Uh, Deadline reports that the Writers Guild of America and the AMPTP are meeting again. They met this week to continue those negotiations. Uh, doesn't mean the strike will end or it's over or anything like that. Um, they met for the first time on August 4th since the strike started, like I said. But uh, that meeting apparently only lasted an hour. But it's good that they're back at the bargaining table. Um, but this is just for writers. This does not mean they've gone back to work with the SAG-AFTRA union. Uh, but it looks like there could be some compromise coming, but again, no promises. So they could continue to get and ask for more as the studios start to feel more and more pressure. And speaking of studios feeling pressure, uh, both... Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and Mission Impossible 7 or Dead Reckoning Part 1 will each reportedly lose about $100 million each. This is via Variety. Ooh, a Mission Impossible movie not making money? Ugh. Looks like Tom Cruise's uh, returns are starting to, to dwindle. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure just given the recent climate of things and it, it being a Part 1. So... After six weeks in the box office, Indiana Jones grossed $375 million at the box office. Mission Impossible brought in $523 million in its theatrical run. Um, while it did make more money than production costs on both films, uh, they were not able to break even due to marketing expenses, which goes back into Fugazi Hollywood accounting. You know, marketing expenses sometimes cost two, three hundred million dollars, which is insane to me. But uh, via Variety, each movie cost roughly three hundred million dollars to make, with about a budget of a hundred million dollars spent on marketing. So, making them the most expensive productions at each studio, respectively. So they will make more money on streaming and digital release and physical release that doesn't always happen right away overnight um <laughs> but uh that's wild both of them will stand wait a minute if mission impossible made 523 million dollars and it cost 300 million dollars to make and 100 million dollars for marketing that puts it at 400 million which means it made a profit of potentially 123 million dollars how is it losing money see here we go again making up numbers to fit their narrative of oh it's a loss uh what now and then indiana jones looks like it's 25 million dollars away from breaking even so i'm i'm failing to see here where the issue is uh, how is that 100 million dollars Huh? 
Can anyone tell me that, please? Because I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it at all. It doesn't make any sense. Strange, I know, right? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Netflix has released a trailer for their Scott Pilgrim show, which is looks like to be done in the style of Brian Lee O'Malley's original comic. If you guys didn't know, Scott Pilgrim is based on a comic. Uh, and the show, will, being called Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, will star the cast of the movie voicing their same characters in the animated series. It's expected to drop in November. The trailer's out now. It looks amazing. Uh, if you guys didn't know, Ant-Man wrote a book in the MCU called Look Out for the Little Guy. Well, you can pre-order that book because it's now being released to the public. In real life, in the real world, written as an in-universe, like, memoir. <laughs> I hope it's written in the voice of Paul Rudd, because that would make it that much better. And I hope he reads the audiobook like he did in the movie. Anyway, um, House of the Dragon, which is... I keep yelling into the mic. Sorry for your eardrums, guys. Uh, House of the Dragon, which is the Game of Thrones spin-off show that I very much enjoyed last year is getting a second season that is currently being filmed uh, because they're under a different actor's union. Season 2 will only have about 8 episodes compared to Season 1's 10. Hopefully that doesn't affect the overall quality of the show. Uh, and then also announced, Industrial Light and Magic's Singapore office has closed due to the ongoing layoffs at Disney. Um, but Lucasfilm Animation was unaffected. So they did a lot of the animation stuff in Singapore, if you guys weren't aware. Uh, that's been open for about 15, 20 years, I think, that studio. And uh, it, while it, they did close that office, their standard animation output has been unaffected, and it uh, will uh, not affect Season 3 of The Bad Batch or uh, Season 2 of The Tales of the Jedi. So don't worry about some of those shows. They are still coming. No delay on those, uh, despite the closures and layoffs affecting Disney, Lucasfilm, Marvel, the whole of the endeavor. So we'll see what happens, though. Uh, that's it for movie and TV news out of Hollyweird, Hollywood. Let's talk about let's talk about my favorite movies from the '80s, shall we? Uh, so stick around for just a second. We'll be right back. All right, so as we've been doing the last few weeks, we've been going over my favorite films from the last few, from the last, uh, what, 60 years, 70 years, give or take, right? We, we started in the movies that were released before the 1950s. We went on to movies released in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. We've come to the 80s, and uh, we're going to do a little different because I've seen... Let's see here. I've seen, I mean, granted, as, as time has gone on, we've, I've seen more and more movies in those respective decades. But I've seen about 150 movies from the 80s, right? Uh, 
I think I've talked about this before, but growing up, HBO was my babysitter. So I've seen a lot of fucking movies. And I mean a lot of movies. So it, it's, it's going to be a lot harder as we move into more modern times for me to do a d- definitive list for the decade as a whole, right? For the, for the 70s, I, I saw overall, so if, it, I have Letterboxd. And if you guys want to follow me on Letterboxd, go right ahead. Uh, it's a great like movie app for reviewing, reviewing movies, things like that. So let, let's just go through this, right? Movies made before the 1950s, I've only seen about 13. Movies made in the 50s, only about 20. In the 60s, 34. The 70s, about 50. So we're talking about an increase of, like, uh, uh, it was at 300%, technically, from the 70s to the 80s. So I cannot give you a definitive list of the 80s. I probably could, but it'd be fucking hard to do, right? <laughs> some of my favorite movies are from the 80s. Some of my favorite movies are from the 90s. And already my 90s list that I've already started comp- compiling is way longer than, than the 80s list, right? Granted, more movies were made in those time periods as well, right? We're, who's kidding? But in, instead of, of, and I talked about this at the start of the, the hour, Instead of doing a definitive top ten, I'm going to break it down by genre, right? So we're going to start with comedy this, this week. By far, the most number of 80s movies I've watched are, are comedy films. Next week we'll do action, then we'll do sci-fi, then we'll do animated movies, teen movies, horror, family, and drama. Uh, I don't even have a, enough to make a list of ten for the drama, funnily enough. Uh, but we'll do it, right? But realistically, the, the comedy one was the hardest. There's so many 80s comedies movies that I've seen. This has been by far the hardest list for me to make. It, 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 it was not easy in any way, shape, or form to do because there's movies I wanted to put on. There's movies I, I couldn't re- leave off. There's movies that I will sit and watch if they're on TV regardless. There was, there's so many. There's so many great movies, and before I get to my top ten, I, I do want to give some honorable mentions. Uh, I'm sounding like a Watch Mojo video here. <laughs> so, look, there, there's been movies that that are good, but they didn't make the top ten, right? That's that's what that means. Uh, not in the top ten. I have um, Blues Brothers, a movie I love very much. Uh, History of the World Part 1, great Mel Brooks movie. Uh, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life, great movie. Uh, Several of the Police Academy movies, not all of them, but several. Fletch Lives, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, Armed and Dangerous, great John Candy and Eugene Levy movie. Back to School, I like Caddyshack too, I know a lot of people hate it. European Vacation, Christmas Vacation, one of the best Christmas movies. Why is the floor wet, Todd? Uh, Weekend at Bernie's. You know, the, the Naked Gun. A lot of great movies in the 80s. A lot of great movies. But with that, let's go into my top 10. At number 10, there's a movie you might not have seen before or heard of, realistically. One Crazy Summer. Uh, it stars Demi Moore. Yes, Demi Moore. Uh... It stars Bobcat Goldwaith and John Cusack. 
Uh, was released August 8th, 1986, and tells the story of a few friends having a summer um, on Nantucket Island, Massachusetts, and like a movie's being filmed there that's pretty much like a knockoff of Jaws. But it it is so funny. Bobcat Goldwaith is hilarious. Honestly, <laughs> every movie he's in is always, always great. Um, but you really, really should check this movie out if you haven't seen it before. Um, it, it, I don't even know if it's streaming anywhere. Let me look because it's one of my favorite movies. Would you look at that? It's free on YouTube. Please go watch this movie. You'll thank me for it after you do. Um, he's what Bill Murray's brothers in this movie. Um, but definitely check it out. It's a fun, especially given that it's summertime. It's a, it's a fun movie. Uh, technically you could, you could, you could drop it into like the teen movie category. So it, it kind of blurs the line. I would put it more in the, the comedy care category and number nine. And you might be surprised that it, because it's so far down the list, national lampoons vacation quintessential summertime road trip movie holiday road holiday road released july 29th 1983 tells the story of the griswold family as they take their trip from chicago to wally world <laughs> we're going to the wally world kids even if it's closed if you haven't seen Vacation, I don't know what you're doing. Again, three great vacation movies followed it uh, with diminishing returns. I do not speak of the the reboot, quote-unquote, that came out several years ago. But, you know, European Vacation, great movie. Christmas Vacation, great movie. Vegas Vacation. Uh, the mileage you get on that may vary. <laughs> but the original... Great movie, great cast, Chevy Chase at his finest. At number eight, Ghostbusters, the original. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Who are you going to call the Ghostbusters, folks? Released June 8th, 1984, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, um, Rick Moranis, Harold Ramis, and... Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, great, amazing cast, and uh, honestly, a great comedy, great, technically a sci-fi movie, like, you, you want, like, quintessential 80s, it's Ghostbusters. Number seven, as we, we kind of round out the decade here, Major League released April 7th, 1989, Charlie Sheen stars as Rick Wildling Vaughn, a rookie pitcher in the MLB, the Cleveland Indians, trying to save the team, if you will. Time to strike this motherfucker out, Vaughn. Honestly, one of the greatest sports movies of all time. You can't, you can't argue against that. Major League, who, Jobu? Everyone pray to Jobu to make sure this, this episode does numbers. Why don't, why don't we, huh? Uh, number six, Coming to America, a movie I've seen more times than I can count. Uh, 
June 29th, 1988, starring Eddie Murphy and uh, uh, in Arsenio Hall, telling the story of a, a African prince going to Queens, New York to find his queen. Uh, <laughs> McDowell's. They have the, they have the gold, McDonald's has the golden arches, McDowell's has the golden arcs. And don't forget your soul glow. <laughs> this movie, honestly, the second one was pretty good, too. Honestly, Coming to America couldn't be made today, but <laughs> what is this, velvet? The, the, the barbershop scenes alone are worth the price of admission. At number five, we have Caddyshack, another great 80s, technically another teen comedy. Right? Uh, technically. July 25th, 1980. One of the first movies. One of the first comedies to be released in the 80s. Tells the story of a bunch of caddies working at a golf course. Trying to, you know, make it in the world. And, uh, again, great sports movie. Great comedy. Uh, Chevy Chase. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield. God, Rodney Dangerfield. What a What a guy. Getting no respect, no respect at all, right? Whew. Number four, one of my favorite movies, Three Amigos. And uh, again, a great comedy movie. Released December 12th, 1986. Starring Martin Short, Steve Martin, and Chevy Chase. As three actors who were played mariachis in... The Three Amigos in silent movies. So the movie takes place in like the 20s. And they end up going to Mexico and get caught up in a real, real like mission to save a town. Because people thought they were real heroes and not actors. To fight El Huapo. <laughs> this is the singing bush. Honestly, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Chevy Chase together. Great. Great. Steve Martin and Martin Short together, amazing in general, right? Hence why they always do projects together. But the three of them is just, it's a fun movie. And if you haven't seen it, again, you need to watch this movie. Every movie I've recommended on my list so far are movies you need to watch. Because they tend to be great. The uh, Three Amigos is definitely great and definitely up there. At number three, continuing uh, Mel Brooks' On a top 10 list, Spaceballs, released June 26th, 1987. Star Wars isn't one of my, is my, Star Wars in general is my favorite movie saga. It's the best way to put it, right? Uh, you know, my favorite Star Wars movie, we've talked at length about my favorite Star Wars movie, Empire Strikes Back. Obviously, that will be on a different list. But why Spaceballs is, is on this list and not the sci fi list is because Spaceballs, again, it's a Mel Brooks movie. It's a spoof of Star Wars and Star Trek and, and everything, and, and Planet of the Apes. Spaceballs is one of my favorite movies, one of the best comedies. One, two, three, four. Only an idiot would have that. It's the same combination I have on my luggage. Um... <laughs> Oh God! It's it's such a it's such a quotable movie. Be, again, because it's a Mel Brooks movie, I'm surrounded by assholes. <laughs> oh man! It, it it it's if you like Star Wars, you gotta watch Spaceballs. If you haven't seen Spaceballs, I don't know what you're doing. Especially if you're a Star Wars fan. 
Um, every year at Celebration, I say every year like Celebration's every year, but every time at Celebration, there's a, a collection of men or women, men and women, dressed as space balls in, um, in costume at, at Star Wars Celebration. So it, 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 it's perfect, right? So Rick Moranis, again, in it. Bill Pullman, the Schwartz. Um, such a great movie. And it makes fun of, you know, George Lucas with merchandising Star Wars properties. It's such a fun movie. Um, yeah. Oh, Spaceballs. Number two. Number two, Beverly Hills Cop, starring Eddie Murphy and Judge Reinhold, released December 5th, 1984. Um, honestly, one of Eddie Murphy's best movies, um, if not the best. You, one could make an argument for Coming to America. One could make an argument for Shrek, technically. Um, Coming to America, definitely Eddie Murphy's best movie. Or, sorry, Beverly Hills Cop, definitely Eddie Murphy's best movie. I want to put no banana on my pop. Um, I'm going to quote it a lot. But it, it it's such a fun 80s, like, cop comedy, which it was full of. 80s was full of cop comedies. And he's a, he's a Detroit cop. Friend gets murdered, so he drives out to uh, Beverly Hills to start investigating fish out of water type story it it is again just a fun movie and eddie murphy's at his best and it, it's a it's an action movie as well but i just watched recently watched the first and second one as well beverly hills cop 2 great movie as well but uh, don't watch the third one third one's not good and it, it had a great director which didn't, doesn't make sense but and that's a 90s movie, so we're not talking about that here. And hopefully the fourth one, when it comes out, will be good. But if you want, like, Eddie Murphy at his peak, Beverly Hills Cop, Coming to America, that's why two of them are on my list. And number one, Shirley, you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Airplane. Airplane. Released July 2nd, 1980. One of the most quotable movies of all time. It is a spoof on disaster movies. A, a plane that's filled with sick patients that needs to land. And <laughs> looks like it's a bad week to quit huffing glue. <laughs> oh, Lloyd Bridges. Uh, so fucking good. No, is that... Yeah, Lloyd Bridges, so fucking good, man. Robert Stack, that movie is so funny. Leslie Nielsen, in one of his first comedic roles. Um, <laughs> oh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is also great in that movie. Listen, kid. <laughs> Listen, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Over, over. Roger, roger. I, I know I'm throwing out random quotes, but but Airplane is just, it's so good. The writing is damn near perfect. The scenes are hilarious. The The story is ludicrous, but makes sense. I just, it, 
you're missing out if you haven't seen this movie. And yes, I know it's a movie that, that technically doesn't age well, given today's climate, but but it, it's still worth a watch because it is somewhat self-aware, and it, it's, it's just so damn funny. It's just so damn funny in ways that, that are hard to convey in words. Um, again, it's another movie I've seen more times than I can count. But, but again, if you've never seen Airplane, you, you, you need to, to watch it. So, to go over my list, One Crazy Summer at number 10, Vacation at 9, Ghostbusters at 8, Major League at 7, Coming to America at 6, Caddyshack at 5, Three Amigos at four, Spaceballs at three, Beverly Hills Cop at two, and Airplane at number one. And really, there's no movie you can put in its place. You can make an argument for Caddyshack. You, you could make an argument for, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles. But, but realistically, even coming to America, realistically, Airplane is number one. Um, nothing, nothing comes close to the laughs I get watching Airplane and continue to get watching Airplane. So with that, that's it for the week, folks. Thank you guys for listening week in, week out. Uh, I know this episode dropped a little later than, than we have been the last few months, but, uh, I'm on a lovely staycation. So I've been a bit of a lazy, lazy I don't even know lazy Larry is that is that a term is that a thing <laughs> um procrastinating a lot just enjoying my time off but I still wanted to talk to you guys oh look at that heart heart hands <laughs> but no as always you know don't forget to check us out online nixnerdnews.com like share subscribe do all that fun stuff follow us on social media News or the Nick DeFalco my personal whatever you guys want to do And uh, I will catch you guys on the flip side, huh? This has been a production of Nixner News. Please do not use without implicit faxed permission. And yes, that means with a fax machine. Thank you.